Let's open our Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 51. Now, chapters 51 and 52 go together. Most of us are familiar with the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. We know it has to do with uh, the fact that Christ is prophesied in so many ways that He was bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and so on and so forth. Uh, Isaiah 53 is a very famous chapter and a very uh, much quoted chapter in the New Testament. But Isaiah 51 and 52 go together a great deal, and they, it's kind of divided into sections. And if you look at these verses, it will help you to understand what we're about to say. First of all, look at the word, hearken to me, in verse 1 of the 51st chapter, and verse 4, hearken unto me, and verse 7. Now, uh, if you notice uh, on down, in verse 9, you have awake. Awake. And in verse 17, you have awake. Now then, in 52, verse 1, you have awake. Awake again. And then in verse uh, 11 of 52, you have depart ye, depart ye. And these are divisions. So you have hearken unto me, verse 1, 4, and 7 in the 51st chapter. Then you have awake in verse 9 and verse 17 and and uh, the first verse of the 52nd chapter. And then you have depart ye, depart ye in verse 11 of the 52nd chapter. And uh, this, this will give us the best division of, this, uh, of these two chapters that you can find. And each one of them has a very special meaning and admonition. Now, these admonitions are addressed to the faithful remnant in Israel, the people of God that are described... And we had them in the last lesson in chapter 50, verse 10. Remember, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? And God's uh, tempted people that walketh in darkness, they, were, they went through trials. But it says, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. So you find in the 50th chapter, verse 10, these people, this faithful remnant, going through their trials, and even now trials in Babylon, captivity, Babylonian captivity, are addressed and they're described in that verse, but they're admonished beginning in the 51st chapter here with verse 1. Now then, let me just say in verses 1 through 3, you'll have the Lord told them to look back. And He tells them to look back to where they came from. And in verses 4 through Six, you'll have the Lord tells them to look ahead because there will be justice in the world yet to come. And then in verses 7 and 8, another division, that you, the same divisions that we pointed out, He tells them to look within. So what are they to do? First of all, they look back to their roots. Then they look for, ahead to what will finally come. And then they're to look within and see how they feel in the midst of it all. And we, where we find that they're either fearful or they're, they have faith. You can either be, uh, live in fear or you can live in faith. It's up to you. And these lessons for Israel, and that takes us down to verse 8. We'll take up the word awake in verse 9. But these three divisions you find in the first eight verses of chapter 51. And as you look at these three divisions, the first one is verses 1 through 3. And let's notice what it, what it says here. In this first admonition, the Lord told them to look back and remember Abraham and Sarah. Let's see what it says. Verse 1, 
Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. This is the faithful remnant of Israel. Ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord. Thank God there is a faithful few even in Israel in those days in their captivity. And you know, you always find a faithful few in the church too that will stand by and uh, do what God wants them to do. But there to look back, it says, Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and unto the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. We'll stop there with those two verses, and then we'll take up the third. So there to look back. And there to look to the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. You know, common... Uh, commentaries give different slants on these two thoughts. But to me, since you're looking back to Abraham, you remember Abraham, your father, he was called out of the hole of the pit from whence he was digged. In a sense, he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, out of idolatry. That's where we really came from. But then notice it says, look unto the rock whence you are hewn. Later on, he was a man of faith and he became a solid rock of uh, on which all uh, the future generations, even including Christianity, he said the Bible tells in the New Testament that he's the father of our faith. So we need, need to look back from whence we came. We were all uh, called out of our sins and, and our, uh, the pit. He lifted us out of the horrible pit, it says in Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, in Psalm 40. And he set our feet upon a solid rock. So you see there's a transition for us as well as Abraham. Look in Psalm 40. And you'll see a, a kind of a comparison to what we're studying here. Psalm chapter 40. Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. That's the condition of sinners, right? Uh, Abraham was a, in a pit that was digged. And we were digged from that same pit because he was a sinner and saved by grace and then he was set upon a rock. Now look, it's much the same here. Uh, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. So the Lord did the same. He did that for Israel. He did that for the psalmist. And he has done that for you and I. He, he brought us out, up out of that pit and he set our feet upon a rock. It says, And he established my goings. And he had put a new song in my mouth, and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. That's in Psalm 40. But back in Isaiah 51, verse 1. Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit which ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. The nation of Israel had come from them. For I called him alone. See, it refers back to God's call to Abraham. And then it says, and blessed him and increased him. Look at all that's said here. He called him alone. He was in Ur of the Chaldees. He was in that uh, place of idolatry. And then after he called him, what did he do? He blessed him and then he increased him. He increased him. So we're told to look back and remember Abraham and Sarah, the progenitors of the Jewish nation. In Genesis 12 through 25 you'll find. And it says, God called him alone. And yet, but from these two elderly people came a nation as numerous as the dust of the earth and the stars of heaven. God uses two comparisons. Back in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 16, it says, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. 
so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So first he says the dust of the earth. That's the earthly people. But then there's a spiritual, there's a heavenly people. And in the 15th chapter, verse 5, he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. First he said, look toward the earth. Now he said, look toward heaven. And he says, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. First of all, his seed would be like the dust of the earth. Secondly, his seed would be like the stars of heaven. You see, Abraham has a spiritual, uh, has an earthly seed. He had people, many that were born to him, and they were, uh, they lived and they came from the seed of Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac, Isaac beget Jacob, Jacob beget the twelve sons or tribes that we know, and they're known as God's people, the children of Israel. Jacob later was named Israel. And so that's his earthly seed. But then we find that there is a spiritual seed too. And it includes not only those that are of faith of his earthly people, but it includes also those of even other people and other nations who are included in that promised seed, which is Christ, and all that that stem from Christ spiritually. You look in Galatians 3, verse 16. It says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. See that? So what we're saying here is that there's an earthly earthly seed. He's a progenitor of all earthly Israel, but also the father of our faith. And we find that many times in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, and also in the book of Galatians. So, Abraham has a spiritual seed through Christ that's all over the world even today. But there's still that earthly people too that exists. So, when uh, Isaiah says, look back to Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you, he's speaking basically to Israel. But then we know when we compare uh, what we find in the Scripture and uh, references in the New Testament, we'll find that it points to Christ. So he said, not to thy seed, uh, not to seeds as of many. So when God made promise to Abraham, he didn't say thy seeds, in thy seeds as of many that would come from him, but in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. So he said singular. That seed was pointing directly to Christ. And that's Galatians 3.16. Remember we gave you three, three verses of Scripture that's very important in prophecy. And they're simple. Genesis 3.15, the promised seed. John 3.16, the Son of God. Galatians 3.16. Genesis 3.15, John 3.16, Galatians 3.16. And if you'll study all those, you'll find out that they're very important because it ends up wherever you start. That promised seed of the woman later the seed of Abraham that was promised, not just his family, earthly family, but the spiritual seed pointing to Christ and through Christ all the families of the earth be blessed. So he tells us to look back. The remnant leaving Babylon was a small and weak uh, group as far as Israel of old was concerned, but God had promised them something. God was able to increase them unto a mighty nation and also turn their ravaged land into a paradise And he says, be comforted, God said to his people. The best is yet uh, for them to come. Look at verse 3. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. 
In other words, the land that had been fallow, he would make it increase and bring comfort, and he would uh, make the wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. And it says, look, joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody or psalm. The word melody here actually literally means psalm, the voice of psalm. Notice, joy and gladness shall be found therein. In Israel of old, there was going to be joy and gladness because of her deliverance from Babylon. And God would make that desolate, waste, fallow wilderness that had lain waste for years while they were in captivity to be fruitful and increase and there would be joy and gladness found therein and thanksgiving and the voice of melody or the voice of psalm so he would restore joy to them. By the way, talk about preaching on a thanksgiving message. There's the word thanksgiving right there, isn't it? And we didn't even plan it. I noticed it uh, earlier when I was studying. I thought, well, you know, we didn't preach a thanksgiving message because Sunday we preached on uh, uh, another uh, theme because of the children that were to be baptized, and then I preached on baptism almost every time that we had baptism, so I decided to preach on a message to encourage the new converts, and I preached on the text, as newborn babes in Christ desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So look at this. This first section then has us to look back. Look back to Abraham. Look back to Sarah. Look back to where Abraham was called from. Look back to all the, that he went through. Look back to how God blessed him. And God accounted him righteousness. By the way, in Genesis 15 and verse 5, where we read that uh, his seed would be as the stars of heaven, in verse 6 it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So at that point, Abraham believed in the promises of God, and he was accounted righteous. Now then, the second section of this lesson, 51 verses 4 through 6, God told them to look ahead and realize that justice would come to the world and they would be vindicated by the Lord. Notice here, hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth. And mine arm shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and, and on mine arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in, them in, in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. In verses 4 through 6, I want you to notice how many times. First he says, my people... How, many, how much more uh, emphasis is upon the word my? He says, my people. He says, my nation. He says, my justice, my righteousness, uh, my arms, my salvation. By the way, all of these are wonderful claims of the Lord. My people. He claims them as his own. It's good to belong, isn't it? Amen. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing if God says, well, you're like strangers. You know, I can have mercy upon you from time to time, but, you know, you belong to someone else. God says that these people were His people, and He says that we are His people. We're His people by virtue of the new birth. We're sons of God, children of God. That nation was God's as well. Israel was God's. And He says, uh, not only my people, but my nation. My nation. In the New Testament, He says we're a, 
uh, a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. Peter points out as a, a, a chosen people. Look in First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Notice what he says here in verse uh, nine. And this is to believers, New Testament believers. Look at verse nine. But ye, First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation. Israel was a royal priesthood. They were a priesthood later on. A holy nation. The word nation is used. My nation. Now, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises. The word praises means virtues as well. It's not only praises with mouth, but virtues of life. Show forth the virtues of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you can see the next verses apply it to even the Gentile believers. It applies to Gentile believers as well as the Jewish people that were chosen. Quoting from the book of Hosea that was applied to Gentiles. So, here we find in the book of Isaiah, back to our text, in this section, verses 4 through 6, God told them to look ahead. And uh, He wanted to see uh, a lot for them. First of all, He says, Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me. Listen to me. O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me. He says, look ahead. There's going to be justice someday. A law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light to the people. There's going to be a day of justice and judgment. Look to the future. Not only historically for them then, there would be justice by their deliverance from Babylonian captivity, and God would reestablish them and give them His law and His judgment. But prophetically there will be a day that all of Israel shall find justice and judgment under the hand of the Lord and by the arm of the Lord. And by the way, not they only, but we also. People say, well, today, you know, this is not fair. That's not just. Well, that's true in most instances. Whoever told you that this life was fair? Whoever told you that it was just? But it... There's going to be a day that it will be. And we'll have to have the righteous judge on the throne and on the seat, the throne of judgment, before we'll have that kind of, of judgment that is really just. Sometimes there's too little punishment. Sometimes there's too great a punishment. Sometimes innocent people are found guilty. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to the way people are treated. But there will be a day that it'll be just. In verse 5, he says, My righteousness is near. And he says, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arm shall judge the people. The arm speaks of his power. Now, there are some judges today that would judge rightly, but they seem to uh, lack the power to do what they're called to do. You know, Pilate, excuse me, Pilate could have judged in ju- uh, righteously, but he did not, did he? Pilate found himself in a dilemma. He didn't know what to do because he, he knew that Jesus wasn't guilty, but he heard he knew that his position was at stake and he played politics and then he played to the to the cry of the the church leaders, so to speak, in that day and and then they incited the mob to cry for Christ's uh, uh, to be crucified and there was nothing just about it from the beginning to the end. And yet he gave in, didn't he? 
But uh, when the Lord's arm is strong, it says, Mine arm shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me. In other words, even not only his people, but the isles refer to Gentiles, refer to all other nations and all other people, shall wait upon me. And on mine arm shall they trust. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jews and Gentiles would come, and they will come, to trust in the arm of the Lord for his strength of judgment and his power to deliver Verse 6 says, lift up your eyes to the heavens. In other words, call heaven to witness. And look upon the earth beneath. In other words, God made heaven and earth, didn't He? You look at the creation. For the heavens shall vanish away. If you think that that's to depend upon, think of God who is in control of all of it. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old as a garment. But, and they shall they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But, look, but... But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. He's saying that the heavens and the earth may pass away, but my righteousness is not going to pass away, and my salvation is not going to pass away. You see, there's a lot of things we can't depend upon. Remember in the New Testament, the Bible says the heavens shall be shaken. There's going to be a great shaking of heaven and earth. But God is going to continue to be. And He's going to establish His righteousness in the future. And so they're to look forward that uh, heaven and earth may pass away, but God's righteousness and salvation will last forever. And that righteousness will be displayed in a special way when Messiah returns to establish His kingdom upon this earth. It'll It'll be seen in a special way. That's something this world has yet to see is the righteousness that will be here when the Lord comes. Aren't you glad that this is not the final outcome of all things? If you had to face life with all of its trials and all of its sickness, sorrow, pain, and suffering, and all the unfairness around the globe, think of the places on the earth today that children and people are starving, adults as well. And you and I are fortunate enough to have the grace of God bestowed upon us that we have a roof over our head and food on the table, whatever it is. You know it doesn't have to be anything special. It can be just what God gives you. And that's enough for me. But, you know, a lot of people become so greedy. How many meals a day can you eat anyway? Suppose you could afford 20. Would that be good for you? I just have one. I start early in the morning and quit about midnight. But anyway... Think about it. You know, the human being can only absorb so many blessings and and needs regardless of how much it can be afforded. You take old Bill Gates, he, can, he can't eat any more than you and I can to stay healthy. I mean, he, he might gorge himself, but I don't think he does that. You know, nice looking gentleman when you see his on TV or whatever. But the thing about it is, what we're saying is that, that God will bless you with all that you need, and we look forward to a time that, that we'll have the real blessings that really will amount to something instead of uh, uh, depending upon earthly and material things so much as we do today. Look, let's look at verses 7 and 8. The third admonition, we said now the first admonition here, hearken to me, in verse 1 through 3, told, the Lord told them to look back. Now, the second admonition, God told them to look ahead. There would be justice in the world. There's going to be. And that's what we've been talking about up to this point. But beginning with verse uh, 7 and 8, these two verses show us something else. 
It says, Hearken them, be ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revelings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like the, like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation uh, from generation to generation. So what's he saying here? He's saying, look within where we find, what do we find within? Either fear or faith. Look, verse 7 again. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Look within, in whose heart. Look inward. Is my law. Fear ye not. Now they could be afraid or they, they could have faith. But he says, fear ye not. Much like Jesus said. Fear ye not. Fear not. The reproach of men. Fear not the reproach of men. Neither be ye afraid of their revelings. Or revilings as some say. Neither, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their anger. Look within. And he tells what will happen to them. In 12 verse 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. In Isaiah 12, verse 2. And in 8, verse 3, it says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. In other words, don't look to man. Don't be afraid of man. And to have God's law in your heart means that you belong to Him, and, and you're saved, and it means to be saved. To have God's law in your heart. He says, I will write my laws in their heart. And if God has His law in your heart, His Word in your heart, and you're living for God, it means that you belong to Him. And it means you're saved, you're a child of God. Because that's where He's written His law. He says, I will write my law into their heart. And by the way, here it's in verse 8, when it speaks of the moth and the worm, the moth and the worm will destroy the enemy. But God's salvation will endure in spite of the enemy. Moths and worms do not do their work conspicuously, but they work effectively just the same. You don't see the moth and the worm do its work, but you look and say, my, this thing is moth-eaten. You didn't see them do it, but pull a garment out of the closet and say, it's moth-eaten. Or maybe out of an old storage place. But they, they work effectively, but God is going to put an end to them. And the seeds of destruction already in, ba- in the Babylonian Empire was already there and God was about to destroy them and the leaders didn't even know it. God was going to bring destruction like the moth uh, shall eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. You know, God is powerful in doing all these things. And then he says, awake, awake. What do these words awake mean? You know, hearken to me, we had three times. We had hearken to me in verse 1, hearken to me in verse 4, hearken to me in verse 7. But now in verse 9 he says, awake, awake. In verse 17 he says, awake, awake. And these two verses seem to be that the people are saying, God, I want you to wake up. It's like a prayer, thinking God is asleep. But you know God's not asleep. The Bible says, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. This remnant in Babylon prayed as though God were asleep and needed to be awakened. They wanted God to bear his arm as he did when he defeated Pharaoh and redeemed his people from Egyptian bondage. And this return from Babylon, from Babylonian captivity, would look like another exodus with God wholly in charge and the enemy completely defeated. Look at verse 9 again. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. They're saying, God, do what you did when you delivered us out of Egyptian bondage. Put on your strength. 
You know, you don't have to tell God to do that, but they felt like they needed to anyway. You ever feel like saying, God, wake up. You didn't hear me last time I said But God's, God's not asleep. He heard us the first time. But we get agitated and we think He's not on the, on the throne and on the job. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days. In other words, remember what you used to do? In the generations of old, art, art thou not, art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? By the way, Rahab is a poetic name for Egypt. In other words, you destroyed Egypt poetically. You'll find that if you study it out, it is connection. And then it says in verse 10, art now, art thou not it which hath dried up the sea? In other words, your power dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep. And he's referring back to their deliverance across uh, the Red Sea out of Egyptian bondage. So you can see that Rahab does poetically speak of Egypt. That hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. God makes a way for His ransom to be delivered, doesn't He? God redeemed Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And by the way, God has made a way for His ransom to pass over. Out of, across the seas that would drown us. Away from the enemy that would hold us in, in uh, severe bondage. And by the way, our, who are our enemies that hold us in the bondage as typi- typified by the children of Israel being held in the bondage of Egypt. The world and the flesh and the devil and sin hold us in bondage. But see, the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to deliver you out of that. And we need to be as sincere about our uh, passage of, for the ransom to pass over and out of that kind of bondage as they were, uh, not only to come out of Babylon, which would be a typical of, a, uh, would be like another exodus, and uh, that had been before in Egypt. But we need to realize that only God can bring us out of the bondage of sin and the bondage of, or slavery of any what, kind whatsoever. God didn't intend His people to live in bondage. If you're a child of God, you're not to live in bondage in this world and in this life. If you belong to the Lord, do not fear what man shall do unto thee, the Bible says. Uh, Paul said concerning God's servants, he says, You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't labor and work and, and, and be faithful to the one, our, our employer. But it means that we should not live in bondage. We're free men. Free under uh, the Lord spiritually, and we're free from the world actually. And if you don't stand up for your rights, nobody else is going to. I don't mean by that to be mean or to not do what, what you're expected to do. And if you're hired out to a person to do a certain job, be faithful in doing it. Someone says, oh, I just have to work all the time. I just have to work. Brother, you better thank God you're able. Suppose you were not able to work. I'll tell you this this past month, I, I wish I could do a lot of things I can't do right now. I know Brother Jim feels the same way. It'd be good if we could work. be good if we could do more. And you get to the place that you can't do it, then you realize how much of a blessing it is when you can do it. So don't ever think that labor is a, is a bad word. It's a good word if you'll use it right. So anyway, notice here what, what he's saying. <clears throat> this remnant in Babylon, as I said, prayed that God... As though God were asleep and need to be awakened. And uh, he had defeated Pharaoh and redeemed his people from Egyptian bondage. And this return from Babylon would be like another exodus 
with him completely in charge. But God replied to them, to their prayer and words of comfort. Let's read on down to verse 12. It says, uh, we didn't read verse 11, did we? Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, God promises them their deliverance, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. By the way, it was not only true when they would be delivered, historically, from Babylonian captivity, but it's true when their final deliverance will come, they will be restored with exceeding joy. In verse 12 he says, I even I am he that comforteth you. God says, I'm, I'm the one that brings you comfort. He reminded them again of the frailty of man and the power of God, the Creator. Notice what he says here. I am, I, even I am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? It's absurd to be in such dread of a dying man. You know, we look at men and we think, boy, that big, powerful, and socially, politically, or whatever, is going to die. Look over there at Saddam Hussein. He's going to die. Probably pretty soon if he don't quit what he's doing. <laughs> you know, good. But the thing about it is, he's not so powerful. His days are numbered. His days are numbered just like anyone else. You and I are going to die. Why do you think of man? you should kneel down to a man which is in such power? Even the apostles wouldn't let people kneel down to them and they had the power of God on their lives. Remember uh, Peter at the house of Cornelius and Cornelius fell down before him and started to worship him. And Peter says, get up, I'm a man just like you are. A little difference in the popery today, isn't it? See, you don't do that. He said, I'm a man just like you are. You're not to bow down to any man. And uh, how many of you ever saw the, the movie the, the King and I? Okay, you remember how they all bowed down before the king and before it's over? Uh, the little old boy, you know, after this transition took place and the, old, and the king was about to die and he was about to take the throne, he says, what would you do if you were king? He says, no more bowing down. He told all those kids to get up, stand up. Remember the story? Anyway, we shouldn't have to bow down to men. But we bow before God, the Creator and the Savior, the Lord. It says, uh, I even I am he that comforted you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the Son of Man which shall be made as grass? Are you afraid of the grass? Are you afraid when you go out here in the yard, are you afraid that grass is going to attack you? I mean, you know, it gets up six or eight inches high. and Are you afraid, uh-oh, I better back off. There's some grass. Well, man is just like that. Why are you going to be afraid of man if you're not, not afraid of the grass? Man that is grass, which shall be made as grass. The only thing grass is good for is to mow. It's hard to keep, isn't it? And grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away, but the word of our God endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now look at this. He says, don't be afraid of man. And he says, and forget us, the Lord thy maker. Why don't you, why don't you, don't you respect the, the maker, the creator, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is, and where is the fury of the oppressor? Where is that fury? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that th his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God, that divideth the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Tell us what all he did. And you know something else he did? 
And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. What did he say? God put his words in the mouths of his prophets, so that when they spoke, they spoke his word. And then he says, I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. In other words, protection. God not only gave his prophets of old, his in fact, his servants, even in Israel, and especially the prophets of, among them, and the priests, his word, they had the, he had given them the, the keeping, he had deposited his word with them, because uh, they are his people with whom he deposited his word. He will release them, protect them, and provide for them. They had an important task to perform, and he would enable them to do it. And if God has given you His Word, and by the way, if, if you're a preacher of God, He's given you His Word to preach, He's going to stand by you when you do it. It doesn't make any difference. You say, well, there was enemies over here and people talking about me over here. Let them talk. It doesn't make any difference. If God's Word goes forth, that's what He's interested in. And He wants it to go forth truthfully. He wants, to, uh, he wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And he wants us to depend upon him and preach what? Not my word, but his word. I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my name. I've given you my protection, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. In other words, they belong. Well, we don't have time for the next section of awake. And, and then we'll get into awake in 50. Second chapter, look two verses in closing. Look at verse 17, awake, awake, and we'll have another section. And then 52 verse 1, awake, awake, we'll have another section. And then verse 11 in chapter 52, depart ye, depart ye. And he tells them to depart. And he uses these two, you know, Isaiah uses this uh, uh, idea of repeating the word. He says, awake, awake. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Depart ye, depart ye. And so you'll find that Isaiah does that a great deal. We'll pick up the Lord willing with uh, verse 17 in uh, the 51st chapter in our next lesson. Thank you for your patience and your kind attention.